Yes. Here I am then. First week of December. First week of motherfucking December. Are you eating a bagel? I am eating a biscuit, a goyish bagel, if you will. Oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. A southern biscuit. Honestly, biscuits, biscuits and bagels, they're they're better than each other at different things, you know. Biscuits are really good for sweets, you know. I wouldn't want to eat a sweet bagel. I don't really like sweet bagel situations. I would put like locks on a biscuit any day. In a heartbeat. So sounds like biscuits are more versatile. You know what else I like to put locks on? I like to put locks on latkes. Oh yeah, I love that shit. Mm. You know what I like to put on latkes? What? Cranberry sauce. Gross. What? Come on. Listen, I'm a child of the Lord. I don't dabble in that. No, it's real good. It's really good. It's like sweet. I don't even like applesauce. I don't get the applesauce thing at all. It makes like zero sense to me. Oh, that makes zero sense. That's like a flavorless mush. No, no, no. Cranberry sauce is like tart and delicious. Oh, and the hot, oily fried. Yeah, I probably would like it because I love cranberry and turkey. Yeah, you fucking would love it. Don't, don't, don't like, you know, whatever. You got (laughs) to own it. How's it going, Hava? Baruch Hashem. It was going pretty good until this bad situation. That really fucked me up. I just been the the 20 minutes between now and, you know, when I called you earlier. Mm-hmm. I was literally just laying on the bed, letting a fan blow over me, hoping that it would calm me down. Hava's bed broke. Yeah. It fucking sucked. Yeah. The leg broke. I helped assemble this bed a second time, so. So I will be seeing you in court, <laughs> in rabbinical court. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, if it makes you feel any better, this is what I'm sleeping on. That couch? It's a couch that's too short for my body. Oh, I thought you had a bed there. That's tragic. Well, I have a bed, but like there's really no room for a bed right now, just logistically. So I sleep on a couch. Tell Samuel to make room for you. You know. Put me put put Samuel on the phone. I'll tell him. <laughs> no, no. I got, Samuel. <laughs> I I like sleeping on a couch. It makes me feel no, it's nice. I'm really used to curling up in an existential ball of terror. So, like, right. sleeping on a couch that's too short for my body is totally natural. Did Sam win their thing, their race? Oh, no. No, no, no. No, 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 no. I see. No, I thought no, I would have no, heard no. about him. This is a Republican rural district with a Republican incumbent, and he's like the gay Bernie Krat. You know, <laughs> I know. I don't know what you people do in Massachusetts. Well, how else are you, Hava? What What's going how on? I? I'm okay. I'm uh yes. I'm feeling very anxious. Some like financial anxiety. I don't have any reason to think I'll stop getting work and food stamps and Medicaid. I'll stop. Everything will stop and I'll just be penniless and destitute uh, as I have been in the past. I have no reason to think that's going to happen. But every moment of every day, I have an overwhelming presentiment of doom hanging over my head. So um, as a listener uh, told me on Twitter, we don't mention the Patreon enough and we're not explicit enough on how to find it on our podcast. So before we even get into any of our content, dear listeners, I just want to say that if you're not a patron already, go to patreon.com slash Chava de Cordova. That's X-A-V-A-D-E-C-O-R-D-O-V-A. And join our Patreon to support us in continuing to create this wonderful queer Talmudic content. We would really appreciate it, whether you're able to give, you know, $2 a month, $5 a month, $36 a month is our highest tier. There's all kinds of great benefits. If you are a patron 
and you have a benefit you haven't claimed, send us a message on Patreon. We would love to send you or give you whatever your benefit is. Yeah, we got stickers. We got some great stickers, some blessings, some private study sessions. Mm-hmm. So if you have a benefit that you haven't claimed or that you would like to claim, please send us a message. We would love to give it to you. Yes. In summary, join the Patreon. I will love you forever. And also, it'll really help us make more and better great queer downloaded content and also 401-484-1619 talmud hotline talmud hotline text it call it we got a whole backlog of goodies well maybe we'll blast through a bunch in one app we'll see we're gonna do something we're gonna answer y'all's questions yeah in a way you can't even imagine yeah it's gonna be real nice and some of them we'll save for our advice podcast our spinoff podcast which is currently um in in beta in, it's not even in beta. It's like in, what do you call it before a startup even starts up? Probably a pedantic tech person will <laughs> message us about that. It's in pedantic tech person face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of my best friends are pedantic tech people. I know. It's good to have a couple of them around. Speaking of pedantic tech people, oh. Michael, how are you? Oh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I always say uh, I'm fine. and. But are you? No, of course not. I'm <laughs> I'm definitely excited for our spin off pod. I'm a little scared because self-confidence, insecurity, who am I to give advice to people, all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. But, you know, I have a sexy voice. I'll own that. Right. Also, people can choose to take our advice or not. The advice is just like a conceit to give people an opportunity to hear us talk about even more topics. You know, okay, so I'm sleeping on a couch, living in North Brookfield. I'm thinking hard about not applying to tech jobs anymore and just kind of coasting for a year. So for sure we should spin off. Yeah, for sure. Listeners, I'm not very hireable. I disagree. They're like, oh, he, he'd, be, he'd be a good software engineer. And then they look at me and they're like, oh. F- oh, you didn't say you were Jewish. We thought you were a normal Russian. You didn't say you're going to try to unionize the workforce. Like that's not <laughs> what? No. Like, unionize. No. Yeah, exactly. It's bad. I tried to pre-beta test the union thing at my mm-hmm. other job. I got a couple bites. And I wonder if the management found out about it. I don't think they did. Ooh. Yeah, that'd be spicy. Just to circle back cuz I have a lot of spin-off in my head right now. Mm-hmm. I think we're depriving the goyish market of our brilliance. Mm-hmm. I think it's not relevant whether we are good advice givers or not. It's really just like having a talk show, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Click and a clack hardly ever. The only like 5% of that show is actual car advice. They are so smart, though. I fucking hate click and clack as you know fuck you why do you hate click and clack because my fucking dad likes them that's oh, okay. why they're cursed forever you know okay, why I'm do sorry you hate judaism that. okay yeah yeah okay that's true in a neutral environment where there's not a, a bad dad sitch you gotta like click and clack if you don't like click and clack the tappert brothers that's the equivalent of you hating bernie sanders it just like doesn't make any <laughs> sense to me get that mic closer to your face hold, hold your Pussy, okay? Okay. Um, I will do it. I know how to record a podcast at this point. All right? Yeah, you're pretty good at it. Yes, I'm very excited for us to make a spinoff. Truly, if self-esteem is your only obstacle, then I would just say just 
power through muscle <laughs> yeah muscle through it in my experience as a talmud teacher and as an artist fears of adequacy are literally just like useless roadblocks just like make the art people either like it or they won't you know don't say no to yourself don't negotiate your own self down okay all right well i'll, I'll work on that I'll work i mean on who would have thought this podcast would become what it is i know i know it's all right we can do it but we should probably talk about talmud i guess yeah you know let's talk That's about what talmud. We're here to do. first week of december talmud time first week of december talmud we are continuing our trilogy on ruby Mayer, who last week we talked about how he was a real fucking smarty pants mm-hmm. smartest pants of his generation Mm-hmm. Some would say, oh, wow, that's going to be really apropos in just a second. He was just a real smart ass, you might say. And so now we're going to continue on that same page, Erevine 13B. We're going to skip down a little further and hear some more fun facts about Ruby Mayer. So without further ado, let me tell us some Talmud. All right, jump into it. Amar Ravi, haidim chadadna mechaverai, techazite le Rabbi Meir meachorai. Said rabbi. In Talmud, sometimes someone is just referred to as rabbi, just like eponymously, like Madonna. And that is Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi, the badass who redacted the Mishnah. Right, the one who like ran away. Did he hide in a cave with his... Nope. Oh, okay. Nope, that's Shimon Bar Yochai. Oops. Sorry. Yeah, it's okay. It's I do the same thing. I mix up all the Talmudic personalities. Wait, Hanasi, was he the one who's sexy? Nope, no, that's, that's Yochanan. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> all right, whatever. Okay, so Rabbi Yenehuda Hanasi said, the reason I am sharper than my colleagues is as follows. Oh, interesting. Yes. Uh, the reason he is sharper is because he saw Rabbi Mayer from behind. What? <laughs> Booty so powerful it enlightens you with Wait, the wisdom of Torah. He saw Rabbi Mayer from behind? Uh-huh. Yep. That's why he is um very humbly saying he's smarter than all of his colleagues. I just imagine him like walking into a room completely unprompted and being like, the reason I'm smarter than all of you, in case you are wondering, you Talmudic cucks. Wait, 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 wait. What does that mean? He saw him from behind. Does it have the same implications? What does this mean, I'm so, Hava? So glad you asked. Well, let, let me get a little more out there and then we'll talk about all the different ways we could interpret this. Okay, let's do it. And if I had seen him from the front, I would have been even smarter still. Oh my God. Yeah. Michael, before I give my, because I've, as I said, I've studied this page with a chavruta of mine for quite a while. So before I give my take that's sort of instantiated, I'm curious to hear what you think of this, what you think it might mean. Well, surely it doesn't mean he just saw him from the back walking around because they're all hanging out with each other you know these are like some affluent motherfuckers hanging out in caves Mm -hmm. sleeping on each other's couches camping out like surely they've seen each other's backs at least with clothes on now what i'm imagining is that yehuda hanasi couldn't take his eyes off of Ruby mayor's butt and he's like if i could have looked behind beyond the beauty and seen inside like that would have been great but i was so hypnotized by the booty that i didn't even take in half the wisdom i could have 
I'm very confused. I'm very confused by what it means. Okay. Well, let me offer to you um, first the most boring and conventional interpretation, which is that Yehuda Hanasi is saying he sat behind Rebbe Mayer in class. He was witness to Rebbe Mayer doing and being Rebbe Mayer, and he just, through proximity, absorbed all of that awesome stuff. Many have suggested he's saying he did not have the opportunity to actually study with, to be taught by Rebbe Mayer, which would be, right, Rebbe Mayer facing Yehuda. Mm-hmm. And so if he had the opportunity to be taught by him, he would be even more sharp than all of us trifling bitches. Kana sees going like, I'm real smart. I'm smarter than all of you because I'm only like one degree of Kevin Bacon removed from this guy in terms of teaching. <laughs> right. Yeah. I think that's definitely part of what's being invoked here. It seems like a giant brag, and I think a little bit it is. I think mostly Yehuda Hanasi People just know that he's the smartest wherever he is. Mm -hmm. And so he's taking this opportunity to praise Rebbe Mayer, you know. Although it seems like self-glorification, he's really just saying like, oh, I'm I'm only smart because of this person. Like, they're so much smarter than me, you can't even imagine it. Seems like a humble brag to me. Classic. Mm -hmm. So let me tell you something that I think is a more interesting way to think about it. Right. So the verb used here in the Aramaic, mechazite, uh, or chazite, which is what Yehuda Hanasi uses to say that he saw Rebbe Meir, it also can have a connotation of to recognize. One thing that I think this could mean, Yehuda Hanasi is saying, I only recognized the genius of Rebbe Meir afterward, after he was gone. And if I had had the wherewithal to pay attention to him like the genius he was before, then I would have been even wiser. Interesting. Okay. Okay. If he had appreciated, you know, essentially the Talmudic Van Gogh of his time in his time, then he would have been able to absorb even more genius from Mm. every mayor. Let's assume that's the truth, the Mm -hmm. capital T truth. There must be no one alive now who was alive when Rabbi Mayer was around and appreciated Rabbi Mayer. Right. I mean, that's exactly what we talked about potentially last week, right? Is that no one could make heads or tails of his arguments. None of his colleagues could stand on the end of his intellect. Oh, but like now they can. Yes, exactly. In retrospect. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> so one of the issues with Rebbe Mayer, right, is that no one could make heads or tails of what were his true halakhic arguments, what he really thought was the capital T truth. Mm-hmm. And part of the way I, I wonder about this is maybe part of Rebbe Mayer's genius was that he didn't necessarily see the Talmudic process as needing to have that kind of orientation towards truth. He had a more like playful and, quote, queer orientation towards Talmud and people were not they could not appreciate that in its own time they needed to know like black white he was like a postmodernist uh uh mm-hmm. like exactly. a troll dude i don't think he was a postmodernist troll i think he oh what's the word it's not moral relativism it's moral what's in between relativism and absolutism mm, molasses <laughs> Michael. I don't know. It's a kind of thick, but it also flows. Sure, sure. I hear you. I hear you. I don't think he was a complete postmodernist. I think he valued the Talmudic and halachic process and knew that it needed to be responsive to the needs of the present rather than being fixed in the way that maybe people around him wanted it to be. 
Well, okay, I'll, I'll try projecting onto him a little bit. Maybe he is seeing the humor of life, like the dark humor of life. Mm-hmm. You're devoted to this thing, halakha, but you also see the internal maybe contradictions and your reaction is humor. Sure. He was just not as tortured with existential anguish as his <laughs> colleagues. He was, in fact, amused with existential anguish. Yeah, yeah. Staring into the pit of crazy and kind of, you know, laughing maniacally. To go off on another direction that I think is a an illusion that's happening here, a really relevant story is the story of when Moses sees God. You know, there's a tale where Moses Moses wants to see God, and God is like, you can't see me, no man can see my face and live. And so he puts Moses in a little rock, and then he walks past him, and Moses only sees God from behind. Oh, nice illusion, Hanasi. Yeah. Cool, cool. It's pretty clever. So I wonder what kind of what he's trying to draw out with that comparison, which I'm sure, you know, you and I are sort of biblical rubes compared to his compatriots of the day. So I'm sure it would have been like immediately obvious to them. Yeah, that analogy. I wonder what he was trying to to get across to his bros. It seems in line with like some of the theories, the first two theories that you presented. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really unfortunate that it's not uh, as gay. The gay answer, like the gay pigeonhole. Well, you you have decided that it's not gay. You've decided to reject my gay arguments. The gay argument is that it's just about the booty. All of these things about student and blah, 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 you know, all this shit that we're saying, that's all interpretation. What the text says is that I'm smarter than you because I saw him from behind. So everything we've said about classrooms and time and genius, that's all actually like filigery. The stom, the simple, direct meaning is that he's smarter because he saw the booty. That's oh. just what's on the page. You remind me of someone on Twitter who doesn't understand irony or subtext or humor at all and can only Listen, like read. Michael, it's not that I don't understand subtext. It's that there are multiple levels to Talmudic exegesis and to biblical exegesis. And one of them is, what do the words say in their simplest sense without allegorical interpretation, without metaphorical interpretation? What is the pashat? What is the direct meaning of the words? And that's just it. Oh, God, I really hope someone doesn't do this to our podcast in 2000 years. (laughs) So all I'm saying is that the gay meaning is, in fact, the most direct meaning of this text. And you actually have to massage it a little bit to get ideas of classrooms and intellectual recognition. Mm, Okay. I agree that we need to massage it. I mean, this is how Jewish historical text interpretation works. I'm not like inventing the idea of being blind to the other possible valences of a long-standing tradition of Jewish text interpretation is to read it in multiple valences Mm -hmm, to mm -hmm. find the multiple truths. And one of those truths is the direct meaning so i feel like you're acting like i'm like doing something here but i'm actually just like repeating the process and being willing to look at what's on the page without the blinders of heterosexual supremacy okay all right all right all right all right you know i I like it i like it i I can tell you don't like it and you're not on board i'm not on board but 
I am enjoying the... I'm not on board, but I am engorged. You know, this reminds me of a time when I was in a room with my dad. I had my friends over, and we were like 15, and my dad's playing the guitar. A string broke on his guitar, and he was like, oh, my G-string broke. (laughs) I don't think his G-string broke. I think it's because his (laughs) G-string broke. Yeah, what I'm hearing is that you think that there is some set of interpretations which is reasonable and therefore true. And you consider my interpretation to be outside of that set of interpretations, which I think is just a wrongheaded way to look at Talmud and Bible. All right. Well, guess we're going to have to. <laughs> it's this. This is the creative tension that that allows our show to exist. It's just like the hosts on Throwing Shade. You know, Miriam is like, bah, 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 saying all kinds of cool stuff. You know, it's it's that kind of attention you are the naysayer (laughs) you are the one who says that it is not whatever i say it is look look i i'm I'm i will not look stop recording when did it stop recording fuck okay all is well the last thing we were talking about was creative tension how you're the naysayer and how the creative tension between my um credulity and your incredulity i mean i think i believe in truthiness a little bit more than you i agree that you believe in truthiness in text a little more than i do i don't Mm, think you necessarily believe in truthiness in the universal sense more than i do we're in the running there together we believe in the same level of truthiness in the world but not in literature i'm not going to be any more or less uh truthy with written word versus well when uh, i say truthiness in the world i'm saying i believe in god pretty strongly oh yeah 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 but also this is a good explanation i've come up based on this book that i've recently been reading the talmud is not trying to get to an agreement which is truthiness which is the goal of a truthiness oriented kind of interpretation as we want to get to the good the talmud is trying specifically to get to disagreement disagreement is the goal i hear you so the the booty interpretation and the non-booty interpretation it's not that one of them is better than the other it's actually that they're they are mutually dependent on each other to achieve the goal of disagreement okay all right all right all right all in like right, a month you're gonna right. tell me you've totally come around to this you're just <sighs> not willing to admit it on the spot you know i don't shy away from a booty usually it's just uh <laughs> we got some good analysis yeah. yes should we wrap it yeah i think we should wrap it i okay, think we did a good it. job talking about this today listeners i hope you enjoyed it send us your thoughts on ruby mayor tweet me at hi how are you or tweet at michael at miss underscore figure and also i just wanted to say listeners if you see our tweet of the new episode or the facebook post or the instagram post which i make i would really love it if you would give us a, a retweet or a share or a like and i just wanted to let you know in case you didn't already know that doing those things will really help us help the podcast get out to more people's ears give us a retweet give us a share tweet at us tell us your thoughts we will address some more of your questions after we finish this ruby mayor trilogy yeah so listeners tell us your thoughts retweet our stuff we love you we think of you every day with fondness in our hearts and i send you all lots of blessings from all my study that's all i really have to say about that and i guess as always shavua tov shavua tov listeners bye